Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Back in 2000, Michael Elowitz of Caltech was still a grad student at Princeton University, but he accomplished a remarkable feat in the young field of synthetic biology. He became one of the first to design and demonstrate a kind of functioning circuit in living cells. But molecular signaling systems of complex cells aren't as simple as electronic circuits. That's next. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science. More than two decades ago, Michael Elowitz and his mentor, Stanislas Liebler, inserted a suite of genes into Escherichia coli bacteria that induced controlled swings in the cell's production of a fluorescent protein. It was like an oscillator in electronic circuitry. It was a brilliant illustration of what biologist and Nobel laureate Francois Jacob called the logic of life, a tightly controlled flow of information from genes to traits in cells and other organisms. But this lucid vision of circuit-like logic, which worked so elegantly in bacteria, too often fails in more complex cells. Angela DePace, a systems biologist at Harvard Medical School, says in bacteria, single proteins regulate things. In more complex organisms, she says there are a lot more proteins involved. Recently, Elowitz and his co-workers looked closely at the protein interactions within one key developmental pathway that shapes the embryos of humans and other complex animals. They caught a glimpse of the logic of complex life. Component molecules can unite in many different combinations. And this sort of chaotic coupling among biomolecules may be the norm, not some weird exception. In fact, it may be why multicellular life works at all. Elowitz says biological cell-to-cell communication circuits, with their families of promiscuously interacting ligands and receptors, look like a mess and use an architecture that's the opposite of what synthetic biologists might have designed. Yet, this apparent chaos of interacting components is really a sophisticated signal processing system that can extract information reliably and efficiently from complicated combinations of signaling molecules. Elowitz says understanding cells' natural combinatorial language could allow us to control them with much greater specificity than we have now. The emerging picture does more than reconfigure our view of what biomolecules in our cells are up to as they build an organism, what logic they follow to create complex life. It might also help us understand why living things are able to survive at all in the face of an unpredictable environment, and why that randomness permits evolution. And it could explain why molecular medicine is often so hard, why many candidate drugs don't do what we hoped, and how we might make ones that do. If you were designing a machine or an electronic circuit, it would be crazy to model it after a cell. 
the components of cells are for the most part not carefully arranged and assembled. Instead, they float and mix inside the cell membrane like an unruly, jostling crowd. Yet somehow, it works. The tidy traditional explanation is this. The protein molecules that make up most of a cell's working parts are constantly bumping into one another, but they treat nearly all of these encounters with indifference. Only when a protein meets another molecule that meshes exactly with an exquisitely sculpted part of its surface do the two lock together and interact. These processes of precise molecular recognition maintain clear lines of communication within cells and keep them running. The only problem with the story is, it's wrong. Many proteins do exhibit selective molecular recognition, but some of the ones most central to the workings of our eukaryotic cells are far less picky. Take the growth factor proteins called BMPs. They regulate how cells proliferate and differentiate into various tissues by directing them to turn sets of genes on and off. Their name comes from bone morphogenetic protein because the first known gene for one was originally thought to encode a protein involved in bone formation. Malfunctions in BMP production are implicated in bone growth diseases. So we know BMP really is involved in bone production, but beyond that, it clearly does much more, too. One type of BMP is involved in the developmental process called gastrulation, which happens around 14 days after fertilization in human embryos. That's when cells start to specialize into different tissue types, and the embryo changes from a clump of cells into a far more complex structure. Later, BMPs are also expressed in cartilage, the kidneys, the eyes, and the early brain, and they guide the development of those tissues. The reality is that the function of BMPs can't be defined by their effects on traits. They mediate communications between cells, but what that communication triggers can be totally different in different types of cells, or in the same cell type at a different stage of development. BMPs are the messengers, not the messages. What Alouettes and others are now bringing to light is how BMPs pull off this trick of being basically unpredictable, but still predictable enough for organisms to stake their lives on them. These qualities seem to emerge from the layers upon layers of complexity in the composition of the BMP system and the flexible, variable affinities of those elements for one another. That complexity makes the system both more precise and more reliable. Mammals have genes that encode 11 or more distinct BMP proteins, each with a slightly different structure. BMPs act in bound pairs, or dimers, of the same or different proteins. In some cases, these dimers pair up too, further multiplying the variations. The family of BMP proteins sticks to an associated family of receptor proteins, and those receptors are also made from subunits that fit together in small groups, typically four at a time. It's this whole cluster of molecules that activates the transcription factors, turning genes on and off, and triggering a downstream effect on the host cell. 
But it's not simply the case that each BMP dimer has designated receptors to which it binds like a lock and key. In fact, these molecules aren't terribly choosy. Each BMP dimer may stick to several different pairs of receptor subunits with varying degrees of avidity. It's a combinatorial system in which the components can be assembled in many ways, like Lego bricks. The possible permutations are exhausting to contemplate. How can the BMP pathway ever deliver a specific directive to guide a cell's fate? With so much complexity, James Linton, a research scientist in Elowitz's group, says it took a little unconventional thought to approach the problem. I had always thought about it as kind of a receptor ligand one-to-one interaction system. That is one ligand interacting with the other before I started working with your own. That's your own Antebi, a former postdoc with Elowitz, who's now at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Israel. And your own kind of looked at it differently. He was interested in that question. How do you make sense of this mess? Your own kind of thought about it as a combinatorial system, which appears in nature as a combinatorial system, where you have multiple BMPs in the same place at the same time. And he really wanted to know if information was integrated in a, in a combinatorial way. So Yaron and Tebi and the Caltech team undertook experimental and computational studies to characterize the binding propensities between 10 major mammalian forms of BMPs and seven receptor subunits in two types of mouse cells. That involved studying a lot of combinations. An automated robotic system for carrying out the reactions in cell cultures made it possible. The interactions were chaotic, but far from anything goes. There were rules, and they were complicated, but they were still rules. In general, the BMPs could be sorted into groups of equivalents based on their patterns of interactions with each other. But those equivalence relationships weren't fixed. They varied with the cell types and the configuration of receptors that the cells expressed. A pair of BMPs might substitute for one another in one type of cell, but not in another. This finding tallied with the observations of other researchers. For example, the BMP9 protein can substitute for BMP10 in the pathway for blood vessel formation, but not in the pathway for heart development. Why does BMP signaling work in a way that seems so unnecessarily complicated? The Caltech team speculates that it might give organisms more for less. Mathematical modeling by members of the group showed that a promiscuous system of interactions offers a range of potential advantages over one-to-one molecular interactions. That's because in systems where ligands bind uniquely to receptors, the number of types of ligands limits how many different cell types or targets can be uniquely addressed. In a combinatorial system, different pairings between a small number of ligands and receptors can specify a much larger number of targets. The differences between the pairings also permit graded effects rather than an all-or-nothing response. Elowitz says their working hypothesis is that these ligand-receptor combinations have the potential to be more cell-type-specific than individual molecules. So a combinatorial system offers more options for addressing cells and can produce more complex cell patterning. 
This versatility matters for building organisms containing many cell types in precise configurations. Even with a small repertoire of signaling molecules, one group of cells in the embryo can be instructed to become cartilage, say, while another group becomes bone, etc. The many possible combinations might create some fuzziness at boundaries between regions, but Linton speculates that these might be sharpened by operating in conjunction with other signaling systems. One which it appears with almost ubiquitously is called the wind pathway, especially in development. If you find BMP at work somewhere, it's very likely that you're going to find wind. Sometimes they antagonize each other, sometimes they synergize. If the WINT pathway follows similar combinatorial rules, then BMP and WINT might help to refine each other's signaling. But Elowitz stresses that that possibility still needs to be explored experimentally. He and his colleagues think that these kinds of combinatorial rules could represent a widespread design principle of the molecular wiring of cells. Systems biologist Galit Lahav of Harvard Medical School says such a system makes a lot of sense. She wonders if something similar might apply to the gene P53. It's central to controlling cells' cycles of replication and division and is often implicated in cancers. The P53 protein plays several different roles in cell signaling, and it binds to many other molecules. The combinatorial principle might also extend to situations beyond cell growth and development. Linton sees a loose parallel with what seems to happen in the olfactory system. Humans have around 400 types of receptor proteins lining the membranes of the olfactory bulb in the nose. These receptors can collectively figure out what we're smelling. That wouldn't be possible if each molecule of an odor had to be uniquely recognized by its own dedicated receptor. Instead, the receptors seem to bind promiscuously to odorants with different affinities. The output signal is then sent to the brain's smell center and determined by combinatorial rules. The evidence that interactions of proteins, RNA molecules, and DNA genomic sequences involved in cell regulation are flexible and promiscuous has become ever more prevalent in the past decade or so. They turn up in a wide range of systems throughout biology. Elowitz says given that, the simplest, most reasonable assumption is that it's providing some functional capability. He thinks the root of that capability is information processing. Elowitz says just like neurons wired together through axons and dendrites can perform complex information processing, so can proteins that are wired together through biochemical interactions. Other scientists have also drawn that conclusion from their studies of biochemical networks. Heidi Klumpa is a member of Elowitz's group, who conducted much of the experimental work on the BMP system. We really want to compare it to a neural net, because if you think about if the neurons are sort of the receptors and the inputs are the ligands, and they sort of, by their interactions with these neurons, some output is computed, but they're not mathematically equivalent, because a lot of the effects we see have to do because the ligands sort of like compete for the receptors. But if you think about the way a neural net sort of like can perform a classification task, that's essentially what we're saying is that the cell needs to classify this as like a high, medium or low level of BMP pathway activation. 
the mapping isn't necessarily like more protein equals more activation. It's just like certain kinds of combinations are high, but other kinds of combinations mean low. Klumpa says they think the cells are doing a more complex computation than previously thought. Elowit says what they're trying to do now is figure out exactly what kinds of functions these systems actually compute and what higher level capabilities these computations then enable. Evolutionary biologist Andreas Wagner of the University of Zurich agrees that the idea that a promiscuous system like this has been selected because it confers some advantage is right on the mark. He says the idea that this benefit may lie in its versatility is an intriguing possibility that has probably crossed the mind of anybody who seriously thought about this problem. But he says there's another, more mundane possibility. Perhaps this is the only way a complicated system like the cells of multicellular organisms can work at all. Wagner says cellular systems are noisy. Molecular encounters in the crowded, jostling environment inside cells are unpredictable, and the amounts of proteins produced from moment to moment fluctuate randomly. A cell in which each component is wired specifically to another would be vulnerable to those uncontrollable variations. It would behave as though circuit elements kept dropping randomly in and out of the network. Plus, every time a cell divides, there's no guarantee that circuits will get exactly reproduced because of random copying errors in DNA replication. Wagner says that might leave a system too sensitive to mutations. Consequently, cells may have evolved adaptations that use noise to their advantage. Wagner says Elowitz's model of the combinatorial logic of regulatory networks may be one example of such adaptation. Wagner says cells may have sloppy systems whose power emerges from the right kind of combinatorics. Meng Zhu is a developmental biologist at Harvard Medical School. She says biological systems are generally much more robust than we imagine. Researchers often find when they experimentally disable a gene that appears critical to survival, the organism barely seems to notice. Ard Louis is a physicist who works on problems of biological complexity at the University of Oxford. If you're really promiscuous, then if you have a mutation and you slightly change, you'll still be able to do the same. You have a redundancy in your system because one of the other ones can take over. Meng Zhu says the redundancy and the compensatory function of related proteins, as seen in the BMP system, might be a key part of that ability. Zhu thinks promiscuous, highly interconnected protein networks might also promote the ability of organisms to acquire useful new capacities through evolution. She says a system that has higher connectivity tends to evolve new functions more easily. It can better tolerate mutations that delete material in its component parts. Ard Louis says there also might be evolvability advantages. Once you're in this kind of viscous system and you need to evolve some new functionality, it's relatively straightforward to do. Whereas if you're all very fine-tuned, it's very hard to do something new. Any change in those components, even one that seems advantageous, is likely to disrupt some existing, possibly vital function. 
Promiscuous binding that allows one protein to substitute for another might therefore enable the network to acquire new functions without losing the old ones. Wagner worked on this idea with Joshua Payne at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, Zurich. They've shown that the promiscuous binding of transcription factors can promote both robustness to mutations and the ability to evolve new functions. So it could be that a combinatorial system of ligand binding both creates more options for cells and gives organisms more evolvability and robustness against noise. Evolution may have organized much of the cell's biochemistry to be far less sensitive to details than researchers thought. Heidi Klumpa says in the midst of all of this, she thinks of evolution as the designer. I don't think we have to assume that the system we're looking at is optimal or there doesn't exist another way to do it. It's sort of interesting to ask, is this a particular feature of a system that wants to have a certain objective but can only get there by evolution as a process versus maybe like a synthetic biologist? If you look at the earlier simpler organisms, they have fewer BMP ligands and fewer receptors. So you can almost say that with organismal complexity, you get more ligands and more receptors, which maybe supports this idea that the like increased complexity of the pathway also gives you more complex organisms. Klumpa thinks noisy, evolved biological systems are full of details, but a lot of them are irrelevant. Plus, she says it might not be a specific detail that matters, but rather the conservation of some higher level function. That could include the requirement that transcription factors bind with some level of strength to turn on gene expression. This kind of sloppiness in biomolecular networks may have important consequences for drug development. Elowitz says one of the challenges is that drugs can be very specific for a target protein, but that target protein may get expressed by lots of types of cells. You might be able to hit a protein target very accurately, but still not know what effects that will have in different tissues, if any. The work of Elowitz's team suggests that drugs may need to be more than single-molecule magic bullets. They might have to hit different combinations of tissue-specific targets to work the way they're supposed to. Whatever the reason for its combinatorial principles, the BMP signaling system shows that cells aren't like the human-made machines. Here's James Linton again. Ultimately, it might be that BMP represents something that there is no good analogy for. And that might be true of many biological systems. And I suspect it's probably very true for neural systems. It gets into an area which I think is kind of fraught, where if you make simple analogies to electronics with biology, you will come up short. I think biology is going to teach us a lot about how nature works. And it is remarkable to me that we've been able to create these simple mathematical models. And I wouldn't necessarily thought this coming in because I'm not really a quantitative person per se, that it would have had that explanatory power it has. But I still wonder whether it will ultimately be able to tell us exactly how this pathway behaves. Electronic analogies might be appropriate for relatively simple systems, such as the bacteria that Elowitz and Liebler worked on 20 years ago. But when living organisms get more complicated, and when they become multicellular, with genetically identical cells that work together in diverse, specialized states, different rules may apply. Here's Linton. 
the BFP system or kind of the phenomenon we're really talking about, which is embodying the BFP system, this operational principle, might be something that emerged in nature as a way to give rise to multicellularity and higher complex tissues like the olfactory system and sensory systems, which use promiscuity. And that this was an innovation very early on in the emergence of multicellular life. What we're talking about here in this operational principle might be the innovation that allowed organisms such as us to emerge. So maybe the only way to truly understand life is with reference to itself. Matt Karlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Philip Ball's full article, Biologists Rethink the Logic Behind Cells' Molecular Signals, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Explore math mysteries in the quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press, available now at amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quantum Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. Mm-hmm.